Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you this morning. I am so grateful to, to see all of you this morning. I missed you last week. I was on a student retreat. Uh, I taught uh, Wes how to say good giggly wiggly when I hit the frozen pond on a zip line. Man, it was cold, but we had a great time. We had a great time, but we missed y'all. Uh, and I know y'all are blessed. Ann and, and Doug led us in preaching last week, our lay leaders, and I'm so grateful for them and the words they brought to us last week. And, and I just want to give a, a, a warm welcome to those of you that may be joining us for the first time or, or revisiting here today. We pray that you will be blessed with your time here. Uh, I want to give a shout out to those of you that invited a friend to join with you this morning in worship. And as Ann alluded to, this is a special day. It is All Saints Sunday. And, and, and that's who we're seeking to honor today and, and to reclaim that faith that they have passed on to us. Um, if I've yet to meet you, my name is Andy. And um, Welcome once again to this church called The Way, where we are committed to what? Sharing in hope, living with purpose, for the sake of others. For the sake of others. I was um, going down a totally different path this week in terms of a message, and God, God re-steered that this morning. So you're going to have to bear with me. I have one page of notes. And, um, but God impressed on me something to share with you all today, and it starts with this. It's a, it's a, it's a, quote that I was reading in a book, Lead Like It Matters. Uh, Craig Groeschel uh, wrote this book, and, and our ministry team's going through that book, but there's a, there's a quote later on in the book, and it says this, if your gospel isn't touching others, it hasn't touched you. If your gospel isn't touching others, it hasn't touched you. Think about that for a moment. Isn't that what All Saints Sunday's about? about how the faith of someone else has touched you, how the faith of someone else has touched me, how the faith of others have touched us. Can I get an amen this morning? That's why we're here, and that's what we want to reflect on today is this idea of the gospel, the good news, from the saints of old to the saints of today. And to do that, I want to take us to a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, his first letter that we have in Scripture and I'm going to read a couple excerpts from chapter 15. If you've got a Bible app or if you've got a print Bible and you want to open it and read along and keep it open, I, I encourage you to do so. But he opens with this. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as for as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And if we move down to verse 12, we pick up with this. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. 
If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead and the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And I'm going to move on to toward the end of the chapter in verse 50. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of the eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me this morning? Almighty God, I thank you that you have already awakened us on this day. Uh, We gained an hour of sleep. Praise be to God. But Lord, you woke us up so that we would enter into a new day with you, in pursuit of you, and in praise of you. And today, on this special day, we reflect on those that have gone before us. But God, I pray that you would clear our minds and our hearts this morning. Lord, that you would open both to what you would have us to hear and what you would have us to do. In light of your word, and not just the written word, but the living word, your son, Jesus Christ. So come, Holy Spirit, come. Beginning with me, and spreading throughout all that are gathered here and those that are gathered online at home today. May the meditation of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. We come to this day, and we think about those that have gone before us, and one of the things that comes to my mind is what's been passed on to me. Have you ever thought about that? What's been passed on to you? what, What have you inherited? What have you been blessed with? What have has come into your way because of someone else in your life? You know, when I think of inheritance, I think of one of two directions. One is genetically, right? We inherit some things from our biological family, right? Our hair color, our, our hairline, our, 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 the, 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 you know, the shape of our fingers. I mean, if, if y'all could see these thumbs, some of y'all know what they're like. My dad loved to tease me. He said, God mixed up your toes and your thumbs. I've had a lot of fun with these, by the way, along the way, and I won't, I won't share all the tricks I know to do with these thumbs, but I had to use a 16-pound bowling ball starting at the age of 10 because of how big these thumbs, how wide these thumbs are. You know, we inherit things, right? Genetically, we inherit things that, that come into our lives because of the family we're born into, the genetics that come with us. But then there's another kind of inheritance, right? There's those things that have been passed on to us from those that have gone on before us, those that have died before us. We inherit all kinds of things in that way too, don't we? 
Some things are sentimental in nature. Some are monetary in nature. And some of the things that we inherit, well, we don't know what to do with, right? I can remember when my grandfather passed away. He, he, he had a stamp collection. He had a ceramic bird collection. And, and there were so many other collections. We inherited all kinds of collections of things. Some beautiful things, but I didn't know what to do with them all. My parents still don't know what to do with them all. There's a lot that is passed down to us. Can I get him in? Y'all have a garage full of stuff, right, Steve? <laughs> I don't want to call you out, but maybe I should. <laughs> right, Kelly? There we go. Gotcha. But what Paul's talking about in this text is something far grander that's been passed on. Something far greater that's been passed on. Something that's eternal in nature that's been passed on to those of us that have said yes to Jesus. And if that's not you today, I pray that God would open your heart, that you might be inquisitive today as to what God wants to pass on to you too. So look back on me on this passage. Beginning in the very beginning, Paul begins this way. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. But he goes on to say this in verse three, for what I received, I passed on to you. For what I received, I passed on to you. And he goes on, and the first importance is that, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You see, what Paul came to realize is that God wanted to pass down to him the blessing of eternal life. A life found only in Christ, in Christ alone. Uh, The message of the good news of Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, who came to walk amongst us to show us how to love and how to live and how ultimately to sacrificially give oneself for the other. What is our mission statement? Sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. That's the cross. That's the message of the cross, isn't it? And this is what Paul received. And this is what Paul passed on to those that he helped plant churches with and house churches throughout the whole Mediterranean area. This is the good news that Paul wants to speak to. It's the inheritance that he speaks of. If you look in Ephesians 1, you find that he talks about that inheritance. And we're not talking about genetic, not what you come into this world having been born with. But what you inherit because of someone else that has died through what Christ has done, through the cross and through an empty tomb, an inheritance that's available to us here and now. We don't have to wait to some other point. This is what Paul is talking about. But have you ever stopped to think about what would life be like without this gift? Maybe some of us are walking in that today. Think about it. What is it like to walk without this gift, without this blessing, without the good news of what Christ offers to do in and through each and every one of us, through what he's done through the cross and into tomb? What would life be like? Well, Paul articulates that as we go on. You look at this beginning in, in verse 12. 
But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And he goes on to say in verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, well, our preaching is useless. He's talking about me at the moment. And so is your faith. He's talking about all of us there. He just included all of us. Your faith is useless. Is your faith useless, church? Y'all are quiet this morning. Come on now. Is your faith useless? No. You go on and you read in verse 17. He picks up again. Listen to this. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Is our faith futile, church? Are we stuck in our sins, church? No, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you if you said yes to Jesus. Can I get an amen this morning? We are not stuck in our sinfulness because of His gracefulness. Not because of anything you've done or I've done or could do or earn, but because of everything that God has done through His Son, His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. But Paul goes on to say this in verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. We are of all people the most to be pitied. Folks, we lit candles today. We lit candles in honor of those that have gone on before us. The thing that those of us that say yes to Jesus, that proclaim faith in Jesus have that others don't have is the way in which we look at death death is no longer a period death has now become a hyphen into life and life yet to come because of christ jesus through the empty tomb amen our hope is not just for today our hope is also for tomorrow and the next day and the next day and into all eternity Folks, we hold on to a hope that they held on to and are continuing to walk in to this day. We are not to be pitied. Rather, what's convicting me is thinking that in some ways the gospel that has touched my heart, in some way I'm not rubbing off on others. That quote that I started with, if your gospel isn't touching others, it hasn't touched you. Folks, I can't help but think that the candles represent individuals that have touched your life, touched my life. The question is, are we taking what they have passed on to us and ensuring that the next generation receives the same thing that we're offered, that we're blessed with? You see, our faith is not futile, is it? It's not useless. We are not to be pitied because of verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead and the first fruits of those who have already fallen asleep. You see, the hope that we share is the hope that we find toward the end of this. In which Paul writes, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? He's pulling from the prophets of old of Hosea 
who didn't even get to meet Christ. He only saw Christ through the vision of what God had given him. We had the benefit of looking back at what Christ has already done. Amen. And Hosea was able to declare, where's your sting? Where's your victory, O death? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when I step back and I think about all the saints that have gone before me. There's three that I've been journaling on this past week. One is a Catholic grandmother. I wear this robe. I don't wear it often in here. Those of you that are coming today, you're probably like, wow, they're wearing robes. Well, it's not what we often wear, but inside there's a patch that's sewn in there. And my grandmother, my 90 year old grandmother's handwriting is in there. Along with my parents, my brothers, my sisters are lost. They supported me through ministry, through seminary later in life. But you see, it was my Catholic grandmother when I was eight years old, prophetically spoke into my life. You're called to be a priest or a pastor. (laughs) I was like, no way. (laughs) No stinking way was I to be a priest or a pastor. She also instilled in me the high value, the sacramental life of the church, baptism, communion. And y'all know, some of y'all know my story. I, I, I ran from that call starting at 14 till I was 34. It was only then that I surrendered to Jesus, not just being Savior, but also Lord of my life. And my life forever changed. And I entered into seminary and I stand here before you today, nearly 10 years later, as a pastor. Something my grandmother saw in me when I was eight years old that I couldn't see in myself. I thank God for my Catholic grandmother. There's another one in my life, and it's my Baptist grandfather. My mom's side was Catholic. My, mom, my dad's side was Baptist. We, we, we had both going on in our early life. And at every family gathering, and I'm talking, this is a ragtag, misfit group of 40-some-odd Rogers we get together, and it would be holy chaos. It didn't matter whether it was Thanksgiving gathering, Christmas, in which everyone opened their gift at the same time. Can you imagine the room and the paper all over the floor? I'm talking holy chaos at Christmas, y'all. Or Easter. My grandfather always made sure that we stopped. That we would gather as a family. That we'd open up God's word and read and then pray together before a meal. And I can remember as a teenager. But I was actually, I think I was about 12. My grandfather started handing me the Bible and said, here, you read it. And shortly after that, he said, here, you start praying. In our family gatherings. He taught me what it meant to walk in faith like those of old. So a Catholic grandmother, prophetically speaking in my life, a faithful Baptist grandfather speaking into my life, and then a Methodist pastor named Wiley Stevens. He was over at Dunwoody United Methodist Church at the time, and Kristen and I had had got engaged, and we were were trying to find a place to worship together, and, and the church that we grew up in didn't have really a spot for us in that season of life, and I regret that. But he instilled in me the urgency of the gospel. He would say this every Sunday from the pulpit. We are just one generation from losing the faith. We're just one generation away from losing the faith. Folks, I don't know if there's a picture that can be put on the screen. I don't know, if Alan, if y'all were able to load that. 
This was a view from the top of the mountain last week. Up in Awanata. Wes is in that picture as well as Tammy, our, our youth director. We had four students. We have three times that many students connecting week out, week out, but we only had four that were able to attend. But folks, what are we passing down to them? Church? What are we passing down to the next generation? Are we instilling in them a hope? Not just for today, but for tomorrow? Are we helping them know that faith is not futile? That it matters? That it can transform the way we see the world and the way we live our lives? I am grateful for this church investing in the next generation. And the reason I wasn't here was because of I want to make sure that we don't lose the faith in the next generation. That has eternal consequences for us. And I want to thank each and every one of you that serve with our students and our children in one way or another. And if you haven't, they can use your help. There's additional need in our children and student ministry. See, these three, a Catholic grandmother, prophetic voice, Baptist grandfather, faithful to the word and to to prayer and a Methodist pastor that understood that the gospel is not something for us to keep but for us to pass along. He walked in the footsteps of Paul. I guess you can call me a Methocatholic (laughs) Bottom line, I'm a follower of Jesus and I pray that you are too. And if you haven't met Jesus, I'd love to introduce you to him. Because he'll change your life. He's changed mine. And the saints of old are the ones that instilled that in me today. And so what are we to do with these candles? The lives represented in your life and in my life. You know, we're called to be saints. We like to, to, to avoid that, right? How many of y'all say, I ain't no saint? Anybody? I got one honest person and Thank you. Amen. All right. I like to raise my hand on that too, but guess what? We're not called to be sinners. We're called to saint, y'all. The first hymn we sang was not just about saints of old, but the saints of today. There was one line in that, I think that second hymn, where it said there's tens of hundreds of thousands of saints today. We stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before us. You see, the best way to honor the saints of old is to be one today. The best way to be a saint or honor the saints of old is to be a saint today. And so I leave you with this question. Who are you touching with the gospel in your life? Who are you touching with the gospel in your life? Who will we touch with the gospel in our collective life, the church. Folks, I abandoned what I had to share with you today because what is inherent on my heart is when I hear things like the church is emptier and emptier today and there's no more young people. That's the farthest thing from the truth when you look at the church across the globe. But there's a sense of urgency here for me personally. And I pray that there's this urgency in you too to reach the least, to reach 
lost. To share with them the faith that has been bestowed upon us. The faith that we have grabbed a hold of. It's not for us to keep. Because just like Paul, it's for us to pass on. Let us pass on the faith that's been instilled in us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we come to this day, this, this sacred day in the life and the rhythm of the Big C Church, your church, across the globe. And we're reminded of those that have gone before us. And God, I know that with that, and especially as we enter into this holiday season, the grief of lost loved ones stirs anew in us, each of us, all of us. But not all is lost. Because we know of a hope that transcends the grave. We, we know of a gospel of a Christ that came, that died, and that rose again. And that matters in our life that he did rise from the dead. Because death no longer is the end of the road for us. And so God, for those that don't know that today, even those maybe within the sound of my voice today. God, I, I pray that you would, through your Holy Spirit, the way you gently nudge us and, and and lead us into asking the hard questions of life and of you. I pray that today would be a day that those among us would be spurred along to ask those questions of others. And for those of us today that have already said yes to Jesus, may we reclaim the reality that faith is not futile. That the lives of those that have touched our lives for the sake of the gospel was not in vain because the gospel lives on in us. But God, help us not to allow it to extinguish in us. But rather, just as we lit the candles here representing the lives before, light a fire in us this morning. Light a fire in us so that we might be compelled to allow the gospel in us to touch the lives of those around us. Maybe it's in our classrooms, among other students. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe it's in the neighborhood. Maybe it's even our own family. God, I, I call upon your Holy Spirit to move in us in a mighty way today. That we might honor the saints of old by being a saint today. We can't do it apart from you. We need you. And we thank you for being a part of us. Within us. I ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Amen.